Okay, we are holding in Shar HaBitachon, Perik Shishi, chapter 6. There are seven chapters in all. Six and seven are both pretty short chapters, and the plan is to try to finish them and finish Shar HaBitachon tonight. Um, so chapter 6 starts really where chapter 5 left off, and that was talking about the differences between one who has Bitochon and one who doesn't, and many of the, uh, the benefits of living a life with Bitochon. We talked about a number of those benefits last time. Um, the last difference that he pointed to was an attitude about how, how secure do, do, does one have to feel in order to devote themselves to doing, to serving Hashem and Torah Mitzvahs. He says, the Baal Bitochon, um, you know, does what they have to for the day, and Hashem provides, hopefully, and they're able to focus on doing mitzvahs, on being a, a better person, on davening, on learning Torah, and so on and so forth. Whereas the person who doesn't have bitachon has a major concern to deal with every day, which is security. And where is my needs coming from tomorrow, or next week, and next month? And really, there's no limit to uh, how much security one might feel that they need in order to be able to devote themselves to more spiritual and meaningful activities. So he says that really, the Baal Bitochan is able to serve Hashem with a peaceful heart. Because I, I did what I have to for today, and I went to work, and I did what I have to. I went to the doctor, I went to the shatchan, I, I did the basic steps. And now I can devote myself to doing what I'm supposed to do. Because ultimately my security is in Hashem's hands. Versus the person who is always working on I, I'm, I'm, of course I'll do mitzvahs, of course I'll do Torah. As soon as I'm safe, as soon as I'm secure, as soon as I have you know, enough in the bank account and enough in every other level of security, then I'll be able to devote myself to proper things as well. So, so what he does here is he, um, and he tells us that, um, he says, the person who's looking for security before they'll serve Hashem. And he, this is really what this chapter is, is focused on, in the problems of that attitude, or the flaws of the attitude of, sure, I'll do it as soon as I take care of my needs, as soon as I'm secure, as soon as I'm safe, as soon as I have everything set up, then I will give tzedakah, then I will be a better person, then I will go to shul, and then I will learn Torah, and so on and so forth. And, and he talks about all of the uh, flaws of this, but he calls them, he gives them an interesting name. He calls this group of people the Balei HaMashkonos. What's a mashkon in Hebrew? A mashkon is like a, a security deposit. Um, like, you know, um, someone asks me for a loan. I say, I'll give you a loan, sure, but I need something for security. You know, if I can hold on to your car or something, then, then I'll be secure because I know where I'm going to get my loan repaid, you know, the way it's going to be repaid. Security deposit or collateral might be called. So he says, so some people have this attitude with Hashem too, which says, Hashem, I need collateral, then I'll, then I'll help you. I'll, I'll do your mitzvahs, I'll do what I gotta do, as long as you take care of me, as long as I feel secure. So he calls these people, the Balei HaMashkonos, the people who are looking for collateral from Hashem. They need, this, they need Hashem's security deposit. And he says that, he says, this is, he says it's silly, and he goes on to give, I think he's going to say seven points, as we know he's big into his numbers, everything is five or six or seven points, and he's going to break it down into seven points, why he says this is just plain silly. He says, first of all, um, he says, a person who looks at Hashem in that way, like, like I would look at a friend who I'm giving a loan to, and say, you know, I'll give you the loan if you give me my, I want to feel secure. So, I'll do your mitzvah, Hashem. I'll give tzedakah if you provide me with ABC. 
He says, the first is, where is it appropriate to ask for collateral? Where, where is that appropriate, a security deposit? He says, if we're talking about equals, it's a friend of mine, I don't really owe anything to them, and they're asking me for a loan, so I say, okay, you know what? You want the loan, give me a security deposit. He says, but you don't do that um, with your employer. Like, I'll come to work today if you give me a security deposit. You don't do it with your master. And you definitely don't do it with the creator of heaven and earth. He says, security deposits make sense if I'm the one doing someone else a favor. If I'm, you know, you're coming to me and you're asking me for something, I'll say, well, I'll do it for you if you give me something. Not, though, if I'm your hired worker or your employee or the one who created me. Here he says, the approach is totally different. We owe ourselves to Hashem number one, and then we'll ask from Hashem for brachas. Not that we make our responsibility towards Hashem dependent on something. That's the first point that he sort of drives home. Don't you, isn't that the same thing as, I'll come to work if you pay me? Uh, yeah, but you don't say, first, I want the payment of the bank, then I'll come to work. Right? Okay. If, you, if you give me, you take care of me, you make sure everything, then I'll, then I'll come to work. You don't, you don't make stipulations with the one who gave you the job. No, you come to work and then you ask for payment. But you don't say, I'll work when you, after you pay me. Got it. Right? So that's the first thing. And then he says, he says another thing. Um, he says, even when there is security deposits, so it's very limited, it's very clear and this is exactly what one needs. You know, you want to take a loan for $1,000, I need a, a certain object or a certain something for security. He says, people who are always looking for security in life there's really no limit to it ever. How much does one need to feel secure that all their needs are taken care of for the next how many years? Right? There isn't, this, this is not defined in any way. If a person doesn't have bitachon, then their needs are ever, never ending in order for them to feel secure. Because if I have to create my security for what? For five years? For 10 years? For 25 years? For 50 years? Um, and for me and for my family and what if something happens, right? He says, it's not even reasonable for a person to have the attitude of when I'll feel fully secure, then I will. Because that then will never happen. That's the second point that he makes. A third point that he makes. He says is, when is it appropriate to ask for a security? He says, when I am the one doing a favor for the other. What if I owe someone I owe someone many debts and many favors. And then one time, they, um, they asked me to do something for them. I said, well, no, 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 I need a security. Um, that, that's totally, totally inappropriate. You're not the one giving, you're the one receiving, right? If someone, oh, if, I'm sorry, if I'm owing to another person, even a person, a human being, if I owe them for favors and so on and so forth, and they ask me for something, then first and foremost, my responsibility is to do what they're asking. Because, after all, I am indebted to them in so many different ways. And he says, well, if that's the case, let's think about our relationship with Hashem. He says, he says all of us are more, he says, very beautiful um, uh, idea, he says, all of us are more indebted to Hashem than if all of our friends together would do everything together for us in one day. Anything that we can think of, every second we're indebted to Hashem for everything. So when Hashem says, I need you to do something for me, and Hashem gives us the opportunity to do a mitzvah and, and to daven and to learn Torah and to help another yid and so on and so forth. He says, it should be our biggest zechus in our mind to run and do what Hashem wants and not chas v'shalom to have that attitude. Of course I'll do it. When you'll give me A, B, or C. He says, he says how, how could a person not be ashamed of that type of a brazenness? 
to ask Hashem, oh, give me something in order, when we know what Hashem is giving a person every single day. That was number three? That was number three. That was number three. Um, he brings an interesting thing. He says that there was a, he says there was a echad min ha-chassidim, one of the chassidim. Now clearly when he talks about chassidim, he's not referring to chassidim in modern day language of you know, Hasidic sects, because this is before the Hasidic, Hasidism, before the Baal Shem Tov. He means the pious ones. He says there was a pious one who said, um, he says, does Hashem ever ask us to do something that it's... Um, that it's not its time yet? You know, Hashem only asks us to serve Him today. Hashem never says, can you promise me service tomorrow or next week? You know, every day Hashem gives me the mitzvahs, what I'm supposed to be doing. He says, how do we turn around in Hashem to say, you know, I'll serve you if you make sure that I'm secure for the next year or 10 years. He says, live with the here and now. A person has to, uh, has to do what they have to do for today and not have that fear and that concern and that need of, of taking care of my ever after. He just put, puts that in over here at this point. Okay. He goes on to number four. I don't understand that, what you just said. That we only, that Hashem only expects us to live in the here and now, like yeah. we're not planning for future things? We can, we can always plan, but responsibility-wise, when it comes to mitzvahs, when Hashem, excuse me, Hashem's expectations of us is to do what we can today, Right? It comes to doing a favor for another, it comes to davening, it comes to doing a mitzvah. All the mitzvahs are in the present. Hashem never demands of us security, so to speak. That I'm going to tell Hashem that I'm giving you something next week or next year. Hashem asks us and talks to us about today. We build our sukkah early, we buy an esrog early, we don't, we start preparing for Shabbos a whole week. I'm not challenging them. I hear you, I hear you. But those are things also for, for today. In other words, I'm doing my thing today for the mitzvah of this week and so on and so forth. Uh -huh. We don't buy for Shabbos of next year's Shabbos. You know what I mean? It's, it's this Shabbos of this week. It's Sukkot, it's tomorrow. So we, we want to be a day in advance to make sure. But the mitzvahs are primarily about serving Hashem today and doing what we have to do today. Okay. So therefore, he's contrasting that with the attitude of, I'll, I'll serve Hashem as soon as I can take care of my job security and my life and have enough money in the bank for whatever, then I'll give tzedakah and then I'll serve. That's what he's, I guess he's okay. contrasting okay. those two ways. I, I hear. <laughs> Not fully, but enough. Okay. Yeah, enough. Okay. Number four. Haravi. And again, this is all about this idea of the attitude of I will do for Hashem if and when. If I'm fully taken care of and fully this. This is number four. He says, where do security deposits make sense? And again, he's, he's using the security deposit as his, I guess, uh, the foundation to, for, for this idea. He says, when we want security from the person who we're giving a loan to or whatever, he says there's really three reasons why we might feel the need for that security deposit. Number one, because you know, the one who has to repay me might get poor. They, they might lose their money. They might not be able to pay me back. That's why I want to have some collateral. I want to have the car in order to know that if they can't pay me back, um, then I'll have, you know, where to collect it from. That's number one. Um, or the person might just change their mind about paying me back. They might decide, even if they're able to, that they don't want to because they're bad, because they're, <laughs> they're liars. They're, they're, they're uh, not ethical. Or... The person might die or something. They might not be around. 
Like these are the, he, he's very practical. He says, why do we demand? Why does the bank demand a security deposit? Because of one of these three reasons. We might not have the, we might be, the, you know, the, pay, the one who has to pay might become poor. It might become, uh, they might lie. They might, it might not be in their ability. They might pass away. Now, all of these reasons, he says, obviously doesn't affect, doesn't deal with Hashem. When I'm a botech by Hashem, Hashem doesn't become poor. And Hashem doesn't become bad. And Hashem doesn't die. Right? All of these things, basic bitachon is the understanding that the one who takes care of me is not going bankrupt. And he's not becoming poor. And he's not passing away. All these things. When I think about where my sustenance really comes from, then this whole concern and worry, and therefore I have to stabilize myself and make sure, he says, doesn't really exist in the mind of the real Baal Bitochen. And therefore he says again, and he always comes back to it, the real Baal Bitochen does what they need to and they can to take care of themselves for now. And what will be, will be. Now I'm able to devote myself to doing what Hashem wants from me. Is it that, that the person doesn't or won't, or it just doesn't matter regardless? Of all those three items. Okay, a Baal doesn't worry, won't worry, or just doesn't cross his mind that those three things might happen. Okay, I think that there isn't one correct answer to that question because I think Baal has many, many levels to it. Uh -huh. And as we'll discuss a little bit later tonight even. Um, there is basic bitachon, there's a higher form of bitachon and a higher level of bitachon. As a person grows, like every area, in, um, when we talk about the duties of the heart, right when we started this, we talked about there is the mitzvahs of action. They're, they're very defined, right? You gotta, you know, do this, like right. that, eat this, put this up on the door and so on. They're defined, either you did it or you didn't. Right. Whenever we talk about mitzvahs that are chovas halavavos, duties of the heart, there's so many levels at which they can be done. Like the mitzvah to love Hashem. How much? Right? When we think about the things that we love in this world, there's so many levels of things. You know, I love, I mean, I might love that, that picture, <laughs> and I might love ice cream, and I might love my child, and I might love my parents, and I might love my wife. There's a lot of levels of love. Uh -huh. I'm not saying which is more between the ice cream and the wife. I don't know, but I'm saying, <laughs> okay, and my wife's not on here, right? Okay, so, but the point is, there's, there's all these different levels. So whenever we talk about mitzvahs that are chovas halavavos, there isn't, is this the exact you know, amount of it? So there's bitachon, and then there's the bal bitachon that it doesn't even cross their mind, and there's the one that struggles with it but overcomes it. These are all levels of bitachon, and like everything else, we work on it too, that it grows. It grows and becomes stronger and more powerful. Is there levels of, I'm sitting here, I know I have a house, I have food to eat. Like, I know this. Like, how about somebody that has no food to eat? Is that, then they have a higher level of bitachon? Well, they're called upon. A person who doesn't have, doesn't know where their security of tomorrow is coming from right. is called upon to dig, dig in deeper and find greater bitachon. In other words, the real Baumadrega, the real very high-level person, even if they're here with their house, the reason why they're secure they'll have a house tomorrow is not because of their house. It's because Hashem will take care of me. The, the Zohar says about, I think, Rabbi Yossi, that when they would bring in food to him, he would dive into Hashem for his food. And the Zohar says, because even though he saw the food on the table already, in his mind, the reason he would have it is because Hashem is going to give it to him. It's not like, I feel secure because I'm taken care of, I have my food. Yes, and that's a much higher madriga. To have it in the bank and not trust on the bank, but trust in Hashem, mm -hmm. is in a sense harder than the person who doesn't have it in the bank and just trust on Hashem. 
because they don't have they don't much have of an right. option, right? Right, right? I mean, they could also become depressed. Right. But I'm saying the one who has bitachon in Hashem, when they don't see any form of, um, of security, in a sense, is easier than the one who feels, sees the security and puts their trust in Hashem, not in their bank account. There's a, it's an interesting dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Okay, number five. The other, um, the fifth point about this person who is um, looking for security and then I'll be a good person. Then I'll do what you have to do. By the way, so many people say that. Like, um, you, know, they're, they're, you know, even though he's saying it like in an extreme way, but there's so many subtle messages here. It happens so many times and other people that the Rebbe said, asked a person to donate to a person um, something and the person said to the Rebbe, yeah, if I'll do well on the next business deal, then I'll donate. Right. And the Rebbe said, do it the other way. He says, don't become a business partner with Hashem. Like, you take care of me, then I'll take care of you. Right? That we don't tell Hashem. Now, obviously, sometimes the person says, yeah, but I don't have it now, so I can't give it until I get it. That's something else. But here the person was saying, yeah, yeah, I'll do a good deal. Hashem, you're in on 5% or 10%, whatever it is. The Rebbe was saying, he says, no, do a big mitzvah and Hashem will take care of you. It's a different approach. Mm-hmm. In a subtle way, that's really what he's saying here. When I'll first take care of everything, and then I'll take care of Hashem as well. I want to feel fully secure, and then I'll take care of him and his request and his need and so on and so forth. That was number five? Um, no, no, no. We're at number five. Okay. We're at number five. So number five, he says, is, he says, he says, by the way, security, you're never going to have. He says, if we have that approach, that first I'll take care of everything, and then when I'm secure, then I'll be able to, he says, you might build whatever security you think, and it can disappear. The, the one who doesn't have the bitachon on Hashem, and the bitachon is in the security that they build, be it financial, be it whatever else, any, whatever security we build is ultimately dependent on so many factors, and those factors can go sour. The person who has everything built up, all that, as we know, can be lost. And therefore he says, it's, it's a never-ending quest. The need for security and the inability to really have security in this world. If one doesn't recognize that that's not where my security is coming from, ultimately. And that's his fifth point. And he, he builds on that. He says, um, he says, He says, it can't, there's no such thing. He says, there's no such thing that you'll ever have something that can't be taken away in this world. In whatever area it is. Could you repeat that? He says, security will never be full from anything one builds for themselves in this world. Because it can, it's transient. It's not permanent. It's, there's no promise at the end of the day. And yes, I've, I've built this empire and this massive thing. And as we learned earlier in the Sefer, and then one day I find out it's gone, or I'm gone, or I have no ability to, to benefit from it. And there's, again, a million stories behind that. Sad stories. There's not... We're not trying to be sad here. He's just trying to explain to us the silliness of basing our life around our so-called perceptions of those securities that we create for ourselves versus the one who puts their security in the one thing that's never going anywhere and never doesn't have the ability to come through for us. It come through for us like he wants to come through for this, us. This like is correct. This is correct. But, our, but as we learned earlier, our bitachon in, in Hashem in itself is a keli for Hashem to pour bracha in us. Right? We talk about that a lot. Number six. Number six, he says, would you ask security from your best friend 
who you know wants to give you because they love you. Notice, who do we ask for security deposits from? From someone who we're not sure about them. But if that person, that my best friend, my parents, my child, they love me and they want to care for me and they want to give me more than I need, then why am I making conditions and stipulations with them? He says, when a person has that relationship with Hashem and he knows, he, I'll, I'll just say a couple of the words he says here, if I would know that this type of, the type of person that's looking to pay me even before the, the, the time is up, even before the debt is due, and he wants to give me double, just someone who really loves me, then I'm not making stipulations with them. I'll do whatever I can for them. And I know that they want to help me. So of course, and again, these are, as we're nearing the end, we're really touching on points that we discussed all along, that Bitachon is based very much on recognizing how much Hashem loves us and wants our best and interest. So you don't make conditions with your best friend. You know, I'll be nice to you if. <laughs> we're friends, remember? And I, I'm there to help you. And he brings, uh, and he brings Psukim to, to, uh, to back that up and so on. And then finally he says, number seven, and that's I believe the final one he says here in this chapter. He says, normally when I take security from someone, it's someone that I can really repay them everything that I owe them. In other words, someone that is similar to what he said earlier. He says, we have to remember that as much as we'll ever give Hashem, we owe Hashem more. Right? And it goes back to, it's really connected to what I said earlier, that we're ultimately the recipients of Hashem. And we owe Hashem. And, and we could do mitzvahs and learn Torah and be good people, and we should. And as much as we do, we owe that to Hashem. And we owe to Hashem to pay up for debts that we may have not done properly earlier. In other words, shuva concepts. We owe so much to Hashem. So when Hashem says, I need you to do a mitzvah for me, and I need to learn, to, to learn Torah, to do, be, do good to another person, to be selfless, to be kind, whatever mitzvah is needed for me at this time, it's my zechus to be able to do that in a small way, paying up to Hashem what I owe Him. And I know that as much as I'll give Hashem, I, have to, I'm, I, should, I should give Hashem more. I owe Hashem more. And therefore, to turn it around and say, I'll give you if you give me, he says, comes from just a total not understanding or not relating properly to the relationship that a person should have with the Kaddish Baruch and the recognition of the schus and responsibility and opportunity that I have to give Hashem what Hashem needs, wants, desires of me. And because of all these reasons, that's how he finishes this chapter, which is chapter 6. He says, because of all these reasons for the person to have that approach, which is, I'll, 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 I'll take care of Hashem, I'll do what He wants, when and if. He gives me what I need, and he gives me my security, and I'm able to take care of whatever. Then I'll, you know, I'll go down in shul as, as long as I know that I, I did what I, 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 that I'm sorry, that I was successful enough to be happy, to be secure. He says, because of all these reasons, he says, that is, first of all, I said, silly, and it makes no sense, but he says it's also brazen, whereas the approach and the attitude has to be the contrary. Yes, I do have to go to work, and yes, I do have to do whatever established, I have to do whatever in order to in order to take care of myself, and yet to make conditions with Hashem and to need that inflated type of security, he says the Bitaq Hashem is able to focus on our mission in this world of bringing light to this world, light to ourselves, light to our families, and Hashem and putting our trust in Hashem.
That is, it's, again, it's a shorter chapter, chapter 6, and it just dealt with that one point, which is really from the end of chapter 5, that the Beteach Ba'ashem is able to properly devote themselves to serving Hashem properly without making conditions and so on with Hashem. That was Perik Vav, chapter 6. Um, but I do want to jump into chapter 7, which is the final chapter, and let's see what we can do here um, with Perik Zayin. Excuse me. You still have time, right? You have a half hour still? Mm-hmm. Okay. So he says two concepts. They're really the chapter 7, the way I see it, is divided into two parts. The first part, he says, is being that we explained, we went through already all the steps of Bitochon and the important ideas behind Bitochon and what we need to know in order to have Bitochon. And by the way, I mentioned earlier in jest when, when I was asked what we're going to do after this, I said, re- reviewing the Sefer, it was only a, a small jest because, and we're not going to do it in class, but really after you learn the whole thing, then when we learn over, I think it's so much more, we have the whole picture, we're able to go through step by step. That's already a personal job. Um, but she says, after we finish learning all this, I want to talk for a moment, he says, about what are the things that are mafside habitachon? What are the things that, that hurt us from having bitachon, that um, in, interfere with our bitachon? What are the, the problems? The things that don't... Where, 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 do we, where do people go wrong when we don't have proper bitachon in Hashem? So the first thing he says is, he says, there's all the general problems that I mentioned in other gates of this Sefer. You'll, you'll recall, we're learning the Shar HaBitochon, which is one of the gates. The gate of Bitochon is one of the gates in the book Chovas Halavavos, which is the duties of the heart, where he has a number of different gates. So he says, on top of all the general problems that, that lead us to all types of mistakes that I mentioned in other gates, and he doesn't go through them here. I see in, in the commentary on the bottom, he mentions some of them. He says, like, a person who serves Hashem just with ulterior motives, um, a person who's very into materialistic desires and that right, controls their life, um, a person who becomes so accustomed to Hashem's kindness that he neglects his obligation towards Hashem, a person who feels um, entitlement. These are different general concepts that he said earlier. He doesn't review them now. But he talks about the basic, the basic human flaws that really get in the way of any type of meaningful avoda. But he says on top of the general things, there are certain particular flaws and problems that interfere with proper bitachon. And he says really three. He boils it down to three basic things. The first is that we don't appreciate Hashem, Hashem's kindness, Hashem's rachamim, Hashem's mercy on His creation, and Hashem's protecting His world, and caring and watching over His world. That's what he says. He says, in other words, the first thing for bitachon is just to understand a little bit about Hashem and understand that He loves us. And it's not even just loves us because we're good, because we're His creations. We say in Ashrei, V'rachamav al-kol ma'asav. He created a world and He takes care of it. He sustains it. And He says that's the first, it almost sounds like the most important impediment in the way of bitachon is that understanding. Hashem is good. Hashem is a creator and He, he, he loves His creation. He didn't create it to break it. You know, um, I'm not saying anything political over here, but when, whenever you hear about, oh, the world is being destroyed and it's coming apart, and I don't know, in another couple of years, the heavens are going to fall down, all these things, that comes from a basic lack of basic, basic emuna that, Hash, that Hashem created the world and is involved and didn't create a world to fall apart. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have to do our things, but there's a certain sense of... Uh, 
security in the knowledge that there is a creator and he's running the show. And he's a good creator and a merciful creator. And that's what he says. He says, number one, the first impediment is, is um, in, in, to bitachon is not understanding this. He says, being in haborei ubemidosav hatovos, to understanding there's a creator with good midos. And he says, the person who doesn't understand the rachamim, the mercy Hashem and his creation, v'hagonoso aleyem, his shielding and protecting it, v'hashgachoso, the fact that he's involved in, in, in seeing and looking after creation. This is the first impediment to be talking, to think about and know that. Yes. So I'm just bringing this up. You know, people we talk about. You know, when people talk about the world's going to end or whatever. So like things that we see that people talk about that you know like that, like climate change. We should we should spend our life on climate change. We should we don't have to worry about that because Hashem is going to take care of it. So then, just like everything we learned in this sefer. Yes. Always the question was, okay, so I don't have to go to work because Hashem is taking care of me, and the answer always was, no, no, you got to do your thing. Do your stuff. We all, we've been told that. Hundreds of times in the safe, right? You got to do your thing. But it's not my doing with a thing that creates it. It's a mitzvah. Hashem says we're responsible human beings and we are supposed to not do dangerous things, right? Hashem controls the world and yet we're supposed to drive safely. But if Hashem controls the world, who cares how I drive, right? So there's that constant, you know, when, whenever you talk, be talking, you're, you're back and forth. I have to do what I have to do. But it's not on my shoulders. It's, I'm not the one who carries the load. I'm the one who has a responsibility to do what I have to do. It's like, even I'm going to say something simplistic, I don't know if we've said it here in the past, there's, there's parents and a child, and we ask the child to set the table. We ask the child to clean his room. Not as if, if he's not going to do that, there's not supper this week, right? We're, we're parents and we'll take care of them, but part of taking care of them is telling them, do your part, do something. But still, I'm the parents, and I'm not letting the, style, the child starve to death if he doesn't set for supper, right? So Hashem has a world and He's in charge and He takes care of it. It takes the anxiety out of it. And yes, what am I supposed to do? Oh, that's what I should do? Then I'll do it. But without the anxiety, without the pressure, without the feeling, uh-oh, I don't know, am I waking up tomorrow? Right? So He says, that's number one. Number two. Number two is He says that we don't recognize that it's a mitzvah from Hashem to have bitachon. In other words, it's not just a nice thought and a nice theory. We have to learn about it and understand. The psukim say, Hashem says in Malachi, Bechanuni Nabazos, look at me, test me, see, I will take care of you. Bitchu Bahashem Adea, there's so many psukim, where Hashem says, Be a boteach Bahashem. Or, or the Pasik, Vahboteach Bahashem Chesed Yesovenhu. Pasik and Tehillim. Trust in Hashem and Hashem's Chesed will surround you. He says it's important to understand that you have to know it. You have to learn and know that it's a mitzvah. And he says that another major impediment is that people forget that. And it's like, oh, I have a mitzvah, I got to eat kosher. Okay, I have a mitzvah, I got to whatever, you know, put up a mezuzah, eat matzah on Pesach. Just like Hashem gives us mitzvahs to do, there's mitzvahs of, of, of experience, of expression, of feeling. And bitachon is something we have to learn about and understand that it's a mitzvah of Hashem. And he says that's the second thing. Not just to know about it like once in the back of our mind, but to remember that 
on, on a daily basis. It's a mitzvah of Hashem. It's a mitzvah of Hashem to love Hashem. It's a mitzvah of Hashem to fear Hashem. It's a mitzvah of Hashem to have bitachon on Hashem. Just like there's mitzvahs of action, there's mitzvahs that are chovah, salavavos, duties of the heart. And just like every mitzvah, it's not enough that we learned about it once in first grade or eighth grade. It's something we have to learn about and talk about and think about and recognize that that is part of being a yid, is that we have these mitzvahs. And one of them is this beautiful mitzvah of bitachon. So that's the second point that he's saying. Side question, because you just made my brain go like, wahoo. Um, is there in, I guess, Havavos, Halavos, I can never say that well, a real list of um, mitzvahs that are of the heart, like versus mitzvahs that are physical? Um, so that's a good question. I don't know the entire Chavos, Halavos. I don't know if he ever breaks it down as an actual one, two, three, four. But there is. I mean, we, the ones that I just said are some of the basic ones, right? Ahavas Hashem, we say it in the davening. Vahavta es Hashem alokecha. It's a duty of the heart to love Hashem. And how do you teach that? So that's a great question. How do you start loving Hashem, right? No, it's easy to do something, but how do I start loving? And the answer is, I learn about it and contemplate and think about it. And it's a constant process. And as we said before, it's not the type of mitzvah that has a very quantifiable, like, okay, right. done. Yeah, but I didn't. Right. Done or didn't. Did I read it or I didn't work? Chovas right. are harder in that way um, because they're more internal and they definitely don't happen on their own. And it requires doing what we're doing, learning about it. Learning about it and thinking about it and discussing it. And then next year again because... It's something it's an ongoing work it's an ongoing effort i think it's like enlightening it's just like you know you have to keep reinforcing it and talk about it it is it is because like you said it's not a black and white yeah. i once heard i once heard a word from a great rov the pasuk says one of the navim i don't remember now which one says is admonishing the jewish people he says of doha emuna they're they're losing their emuna they're not even talking about it anymore so he asked well, if they lost the Amuna, why is it such a big deal they're not talking about it? The main thing is they don't feel it, they don't believe it. Why does it make it like, oh, and they're not talking about it? But he explained that you know why they lost their Amuna? Because they're not talking about it. You know, the, the fact that we just know something in the back of our mind somewhere mm -hmm. is not going to carry over without that being something that we talk about and think about. That makes it active, that makes us think about it, which makes us feel it, which makes us relate to it. And it's an ongoing effort. And, and really, that's what he's saying here. So he's saying impediment number two to bitachon is when I'm not actively thinking and remembering, yes, this is a mitzvah of Hashem. It's something I have to work on as a yid. I, I heard that when you say Baruch Hashem, it's like, it's like a mitzvah every time you say Baruch Hashem. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But it's also important to think Baruch Hashem when we say Baruch Hashem. Because sometimes, sometimes it could just become the thing that we answer and we don't even know exactly what we said. So, but what you're saying is correct. Talking about it is inspiring. It brings it, but we have to listen to what we talk. Sometimes right. we can say something and not listen to it. Well, something goes well for you and you say, oh, Baruch Hashem, it's like a mitzvah. If you meant what you said, 100%. I don't mean to take that away. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll share something humorous. Um, and that is, I, I once heard, um, in the summers, I'm in Sfas uh, with my family. So in Sfas, on Friday afternoon, there's a car that goes up and down every street and every alley for like three hours saying what time candle lighting is. And it's like, it's blaring from the car and so obviously you need someone to drive it, right? So someone every Friday does it for three hours, that's his Friday afternoon job. 
I'm sure he gets paid for it or whatever. So the story goes that the guy drives up and down the streets for about three hours, and finally it's a half hour before Shabbos. He gets out of the car and locks it, and comes into the house and he asks his wife, "What time, what time is candle lighting tonight?" <laughs> <laughs> He's just been announcing it for three hours straight to the whole city, but he never heard, right? Just saying is important if we listen to what we're saying. So it's important as we the understanding that we spent. But this is class number ten. What we're doing is exactly what we're supposed to be doing, but not that we're now we're going to close the safer and that's it. This is, we're supposed to learn it, think about it, and make that something that we think about and talk about and learn about always. And by doing that is how we're strengthening it in our hearts. And, and, and is that, does like living in the moment help that? Because if you worry, I mean, I remember once having to go to court and I took out a, a book, Safer Mitzvah and Betachon, right? And it said, if you worry, then you don't have bitachon. So it makes me feel like if I'm living in the moment and I'm living, I'm not worrying. When you worry, you don't have bitachon. Right. So like, okay. So obviously, as, as we're saying, anxiety disorder too. Like, as we're saying over and over, there, there's so many levels right. to everything. Like right. to say that's pretty strong. If you worry, you don't have bitachon. is a pretty uh, severe statement. It changed my way of sitting in that courtroom. Okay. No, there's no question that bitachon decreases worry. How much does it decrease the worry? Depending on how deep my bitachon is. Right. It's very, it's very clear. So the deeper, greater, stronger my bitachon is, the less, the more the, the more the worry is going to shrink. The ultimate Baal bitachon doesn't know what worry means. Right. Why? For what? Right? But and most of us aren't the ultimate Baal bitachon, and we work on it. And the more we the more we're able to connect to it, the right. less we'll be worried and the less we'll be, you know, anxious and so on and so forth. Okay? Number three. So impediment number one was not recognizing Hashem, learning about Hashem, understanding Hashem's goodness and kindness and mercifulness. Number two was learning about it, learning and knowing that it's a mitzvah and remembering it and, and reviewing it in our minds and in our hearts and in our words. Right? That's number two. And number three is something that we're all going to recognize. He says the biggest impediment to bitachon is what he called, it's like this, this word that he uh, coins, sibos. We put too much value in the sibos, the causes. We're, we're always thinking about that what I have is caused by. And there's so many different causes that cause things. And he says, by focusing on the causes, that is what... One second. That is where we lose our bitachon. And here he says something very beautiful. He says, the truth is, in life, the closer a cause is to the effect, the less that cause has control over the effect. The further out the cause, the more the cause controls the effect. Now, what does that mean? He, so he gives a very, very simple and beautiful example. I almost wish that he had this example right at the beginning because it's such a beautiful one. He says the following. He says, you have a king and the king wants to punish a servant. So he'll instruct the second in command to the king that, you know, that servant must be punished. And I'm just going to read this here from the translation. He says, uh, the second in command in turn instructs the minister. The minister, the executive officer, the executive officer, the officer, the officer, the taskmaster, the taskmaster. And the taskmaster is the one who inflicts the actual punishment with the tools that he had prepared for it. Right? Now, so the one who's punished, who's punishing me? The tool. Right? Because uh, let's say the person had to be whipped. 
by the king, whatever. So who am I upset with? The whip. If I can only get rid of that whip, I'll be fine. Because the whip is the one that I felt. So that inflicted the pain on me. But really, who inflicted the pain on me? The one who's furthest away, the king, who commanded the officer, or commanded the minister, or commanded the general, or commanded the soldier, or commanded the taskmaster, who took the whip. So when we focus on the whip, we're focusing on the one that's least significant in the whole process. And the one who really can't change the process at all. Because the whip has no say in anything. Imagine if I could break the whip. <laughs> Look at a different whip. Now what's the significance of the whip? He says, Bitachon is all about that, about recognizing that all, we think, oh, I need food. Where's my food coming from? It must be my fridge. My fridge is my savior. Oh no, not the fridge, it must be the store. Not the store, it must be the money. It must be the bank account. And we keep on going further and further away till, until we recognize, and, and who created the bank account, and who created the, 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 until we get to the king. And that's Hashem. And if we want to change anything, that's the only place where change is going to come from. In other words, he's saying the, the cause that's seemingly furthest removed from the effect is the only one that's the real cause and the only one that can affect the change. Everyone else is just part of a chain of events. And he says, if we can only remember that and stop attributing our significance and our hopes and our securities in numerous causes, whatever they are, he says, then, then we've solved the bitachon riddle. Because that's really what Bitochon is, understanding that yes, I'm receiving through A and through B and through C, and there may have been a, a step earlier, a step earlier. All of those steps are all part of a chain. And there's only one at the top of the chain. And that's the one I turn to, and that's the one where it ultimately is going to come from. And that's number three. So if you want to know, as we're finishing Shara Bitochon, he gives us three rules for Bitochon. It says the three biggest impediments, Bitochon is not understanding Hashem, Hashem's, Hashem's greatness, Hashem's love, Hashem's mercifulness. Two, not understanding that it's a mitzvah, something that I have to work on and learn and understand and, and constantly cultivate. And number three is our obsession with direct causes and our attrib attributing significance to the direct cause with, with losing the sight of the fact that the more direct a cause is, the less that cause really has any mastery over what's, what's happening, what's transpiring. And these are the three keys, he says, that if we get these three straight, we're good. And he finishes off with something that I just think is it's just, just beautiful, how, what he's going to do. This is the last step of Shara Bittachon. He's going to take us on a trip, and he's going to tell us ten steps. Right? There's always going to be numbers here. He's say, ten steps of Bittachon. Starting from a baby and working myself up to the highest level of bitachon possible. And he does something that I just found this, it's just, 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 just so beautiful. He says the following. He says, a child, a child, a baby is born and for the first period of time is nursed. That's how he gets his sustenance. In the child's mind, if we can get into that mind of a child who's two days old, three days old, five days old, where is their sustenance coming from? What does the baby think? As much as the baby thinks, and I, I, you know, I'm not the type of psychologist, but as much, if we could try to imagine what's going on in the, in the mind of the five-day-old, ten-day-old child, what's their source? The the so he says, not even the mother. The milk. The milk. He, he says, what does he see? The breast. The source of the milk. That's my source. Right. So 
Well, one can imagine this child, what's this? Where's my sustenance coming from? That breast? That's it? Okay. That's number one. Child gets a little older. And suddenly they recognize there's a person behind that. Mm-hmm. So, wow, it's not, you no, know, that's just a vehicle. There's a person. And the child develops their love and for their mother. And the mother is going to be, that's my benefactor. That's where I get my food. That's where everything comes from. And the child's a little older and understands that already. So they move the step further. You understand? We're going up the causes. Mm-hmm. The first immediate cause was exactly where the milk is coming from. Mm-hmm. Now, no, 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 there's a person behind the cause. That's number two. Number three, child gets a little older. Child starts realizing there's a, there's a family scenario here. And there's someone who's supporting my mother. Who's that? My father. My father is bringing the money into the house. My father is shielding and protecting. And suddenly I realize that even though my mother is giving me the food, but the, the bigger picture that I feel shielded, I feel secure because of my father. He's, he's really the one that's, that's taking care. So I moved to number three. Right? I started off just with a, my source of milk and moved on to my mother. And now, a little older, I understand things a little more. I don't know if I'm five years old or six years old. I'm picking up the picture. Okay, my father, that's where I feel secure. Number three. I get a little older. And now I'm a teenager or whatever. He doesn't give years to this. We can make our own years if we want. He says, I realize, you know what? I can take care of myself too. I can support myself. I can get a little job. Suddenly, I don't need my father's shielding and support and whatever. I can go out and I can do it on my own. So I start trusting myself. I I can support myself. I'm not dependent, not on my mother, not on my father. I'm big enough, I can do it on my own. So suddenly, I start trusting in myself. I'm recognizing that I'm powerful. Okay, which number was that? That was four. That was number four? Okay. So I I go further. Now, number five, I recognize... I can't really do it myself. I need, I don't know, my employer, I gotta get a job by someone. I suddenly recognize that I'm dependent in whichever way I'm gonna make my living. So suddenly, now I've shifted and it's about me because I have to get my job. I've left my, you know, my parents, they're, they're old school, but, but the job that I have has an employer. And my employer, he's the one I work for, and if I get fired, I'm in trouble. So suddenly my bitacho now shifted to the one where I'm going to get my sustenance through. So I'm, 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 I'm uh, climbing the ladder of bitachon. Right? We're not talking about spiritual bitachon so far. We're just talking about the concept of trust. Mm-hmm. Secu- where's my trust? Where's my security? Mm-hmm. So there's the baby, mm-hmm. right? It's the milk, it's the mother, it's the father, it's myself, it's my employer. Okay. Then I start realizing, as life goes on, that my employer also is dependent. Like, for example, let's say I'm working on a farm, because, you know, agriculture was a big thing, especially then, he uses that example. Then my employer is great, but it's got to rain. And my employer is not in charge of the rain. And farm is an example. Any job and any profession, even the employer is dependent on certain things that are brought to him. So I recognize it's not their he also needs something, and I start trusting in that. Right? That, that's, that's also important, right? And then I start recognizing that, you know, there's, there's something bigger than my mother and my father and me and my employer, and we're all dependent on, and that's where Hashem starts coming into the picture. There's something beyond the human scope that I ultimately need to put my trust in, in order, because everyone ultimately... There's that hierarchy, but everyone is dependent on something bigger than everyone. 
And that's where Hashem starts becoming a real thing in my mind. Now, obviously, with Chinuch, we, we may have told the child about Hashem before this, but he's, right. he's, he's building the, from the concept of just pure trust and security, the steps that bring me to there. So, I'm sorry, I'm not good with it. I'm not holding my numbers here. Where numbers. are we holding? I think that was seven. Is seven Hashem? I, I think that was six. There was six. six was the rain right. is Hashem. Right, because the rain is Hashem. There's one who gives something that my employer can't do. Right? Let's just do this quickly. Number one was the, the breast giving the milk. Number two is the mother. Number three is the father. Number four is myself. Right? Number five is my employer. Number six brought me to that which is beyond my employer. Because my employer is also dependent. And that's why I start that's where I start recognizing that my security and my trust can't be in anything human. There's something that all the humans, even the best employer in the world, is also dependent on Hashem. <clears throat> now, once I get there, I'm, I'm now I start going off into levels of bitachon and Hashem. So once I recognize that things have to come from Hashem, so I start, I'm sort of forced into the next step. Now the next step is recognizing that ultimately I'm dependent on Hashem. So then I don't want to do things that are very dangerous for Parnassah because I'm dependent on Hashem. So why should I have to um, endanger myself and do things that are exceedingly difficult? Hashem can take care of me even without the most dangerous and difficult things. So I'm able to come to a, the next level of recognizing that if it truly does come from Hashem, then perhaps there's certain things that I don't need to do. Again, if, if Hashem's not part of the picture, I, I, the only thing I can do is something that's dangerous and will take me 24 hours a day and whatever. But once Hashem's in the picture, then that I can move upward in my betachon and recognize that I might be able to do lesser things and Hashem can help me there too. And that's number seven. He says, once I'm at number seven, I can move up to number eight. And number eight is the recognition that it really doesn't matter what I'm doing. That whatever I'm doing, I'm only creating a keli. And that's really what we've been talking a lot about throughout the Sefer. That no matter what I'm doing, I have an achrayis, I have a responsibility to do, try my best, in an area that works for me. And then I put my bitachon on Hashem. No, it's not just to get out of doing the most extreme dangerous thing. That was number seven. But in any area of work, my bitachon, my security, becomes less and less in the vehicle, in the siba, in the cause. The recognition is... I'm working for, I'm working because Hashem told me to, and Hashem is the supporter and the source of all bracha. And in whatever I do, it's Hashem that's coming through it. And at this point, I'm at a pretty healthy level of bitachon and Hashem recognizing that all the sibos are just me doing what Hashem wants me to do. But bracha comes directly from Hashem, no matter what I do or how I do or where I do it. And that is number eight. And now he goes off to number nine and ten, which is already much higher levels of bitachon. He says, once a person is already there at number eight, that they recognize that everything is only sibos, now a person can truly become dependent on Hashem in their mind and heart in a way where they recognize that everything comes from Hashem and they're able to be besimcha with whatever Hashem gives them. At this point, they become, they recognize that whatever I'm doing is only a keli, and therefore whatever I'm getting and whatever happens, and sometimes I do very well, and sometimes I might do poorly, and sometimes there might be tragic events, 
But once the person has come to this point of understanding and, and not just understanding, but feeling recognition, internal recognition, that everything is be'emes from Hashem, everything is from Hashem, then a person is able to be besimcha in whatever happens. Because the person is really living at that place that this is from Hashem, this is what Hashem wants from me today. I dive into Hashem and I hope and I'm secure Hashem will give me more revealed good tomorrow. But until then, what I have today, this is Hashem's, what, what Hashem wants for me to have today. And again, going back to, I know Hashem loves me and I know Hashem cares for me and I know Hashem's watching over me. And for reasons that only Hashem understands, this is what He gave for me today. If I'm at that point, I could truly be besimcha with, with whatever happens with whatever situation, whatever situation I'm in, knowing Gamzul Tova, this is coming directly from Hashem. Which brings a person to number 10. I don't even know where I'm holding here in the safer anymore. Um, give me a second. Grand finale. Yeah, grand, grand finale is I lost my place. Um, <laughs> where am I? Here it is. He says, as a person, therefore, grows to become more and much more a spiritual person. And he recognizes how everything is from Hashem. And that Hashem is the only real source of anything. His, the person's desire becomes much more and more only about the Ruchni. It's only about the relationship with Hashem. They recognize that everything in this world, all the physical things, are something that's secondary to our ultimate relationship, with, with his, which is with Hashem Himself. And a person is able to grow into a truly spiritual person where their life is about Kedusha, um, and they don't even have the, we talked before about, you know, do you really feel it, or do you want to feel it, or do you make it like yourself like you feel it? That's what he's talking about, ascending that ladder. The person who becomes that level of a tzaddik, that their, their whole life is their relationship with Hashem. And whatever Hashem gives them, they're happy with, because that's not what they're looking for anymore. It's all about that relationship and recognition that we direct, that we are able to live with and connect directly to the super first cause, the cause of all the other causes, and that becomes where the person's avoida is all about. He finishes off, he says, This is the highest level of bitachon, this was this level of the prophets, the extremely pious ones, um, those who are most pure, and those who are able to, they, they just live with Hashem every moment in their life, and that's all that they want. And that's all that they, they really feel simcha with is in their relations, relationship with Hashem. He finishes, He says, these are the 10 stages of bitachon. And every person is going to find themselves somewhere along this path. He says, a person might be like the infant, which only sees the most direct cause. Right? He talked about the infant that, what gave, where did I get my milk from? That's my source. And sometimes we, we might be 30 or 40 or 50 or 60, might be like that infant. We put our whole energy into the direct cause. That's where it's coming from. Like the infant, the mother, the mother not, not even the mother, right? We talked, the milk, the, the breast, that's it. Or we can grow to step two, step three, step four, to the highest levels. And he says, that's the level of a tzaddik. Who, that's all they care about and think about is their relationship with Hashem himself. And that's ultimately on that highest, very highest level. He finishes off, Hashem in His mercy should, put, should give us that gift of have true bitachon. That we should always feel totally given over to Him, to His judgment, um, both in public and in private. 
um, ben Nira, ben Nister, in a public way, in a private way, in, our, in the recesses of our heart, berachem of Hashem Shev, rachmanes on us, and allow us the gift uh, to be able to feel this truest bitochen, amen. That's how it finishes. Nishlam. Shar HaBitochem. This is how we finish Shar HaBitochem. Lekeil Acharon Verishon Bitochon and only Hashem with the beginning and the end of everything. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. You know, if, if I can say this,